Butler Knights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. Matt, nice job tonight on the music, my friend. Everyone is extremely complimentary on the text line. 888-973-5476 is the text line here. If you want to take part in the show, comment on something we're talking about, give us a request for Matt at the board there. Yeah, you do a fantastic job, man. Yeah, I, I, we actually take requests because there's a human being here, not an AI. I, I know. When, when we opened the show tonight, Matt had just talked about in the in the newsroom outside before we got on the air about a company that's creating a program that can synthesize what it takes to to be a disc jockey and to just to segue records and talk about the news of the day, pop stuff, news stuff, yada yada, and take away the human element. A lot of a lot of textures had input on that too. It's that kind of soulless entertainment is far too prevalent. And the chance to have a relationship with somebody that can come to you through your car, your radio at home, the internet, whatever it might be. That's what makes what we do different. And that's why we're lucky to do what we do. I appreciate you bringing that up, man. The music you play rocks my world, man. You know, music can change the mood all the time. I say it often and Matt proves it every single night. So here's a story, and, every, and there's a new configuration on my, please pardon with, bear with me a minute. There's a new configuration on my computer, and I don't know why, but every time I go to look at what the texters are saying, everything I have shuts down, and I got to start all over again, so bear with me. You know, coming to America, I found the story. Thanks for listening. <laughs> coming to America, right? You want people to get here legally. We talked about that earlier. And people apply for, you know, uh, visas. People obtain passports to come to the country just you know, to visit even. And you want folks to all have the same chance to get here, right? All have the same opportunities. So you don't want it to be based on, on wealth, right? You don't have people be able to buy their way into America to buy a visa, right? To buy their way in. But it's called a golden passport and it's a real thing. If you buy property, in a country, you are awarded a golden passport, which gives you a, a jump-the-line kind of a status to get a passport to come to America, get a visa to come to America. I don't know if I'm crazy about that idea of a golden passport, of buying your way up the food chain, of getting to go to visa to live here and move here and work here. I mean, I guess, I guess if you have enough resources to buy property – giving you a visa to come here would dictate that you won't be a drain on society, that you'll have the means to support you and your family, whoever else is here. It's not exactly what's on the, uh, the tablet in the, in the Harbor in New York or the Statue of Liberty. Give me your credit report, your bank statements, your huddled masses yearning to be richer. That's not what's on the statue. Everybody should have the equal opportunity to come here. What's even more disturbing, disturbing rather, excuse me, what's even more disturbing about the concept of a golden passport is that they are not just used in America, a golden visa, also included in the same, same type of people who can use their resources and assets to move their way up the food chain to go in to see the places in the world they want to see, whether it be America or other countries. In fact, golden passports are available globally, and the leading people seeking golden passports are Americans. I was going to say, because like there was a big controversy in New Zealand with Peter Thiel, the libertarian billionaire, trying to get a, sort of like a second citizenship there. Right. Um, New Zealand was a place a lot of people were looking at because 
Ironically, for people who don't want to do much about America's problems, they seem to feel that New Zealand is safer and less um, hit hard by climate change. Right. And so they want to use their wealth to escape the problems they're going to leave the rest of us with. So that's nice of them. Well, it's it's funny you mention that particular story because this program globally used to be dominated by Chinese and, and Russian nationals. You know, the super wealthy and the oligarch types who oh can... Oh, my goodness. I yeah. read an expose in one of the UK papers because I'm weird like that. And a large number, there were full new apartment buildings in London, like brand new, cutting edge, modern design. Uh-huh. And Russian oligarchs were just buying these things up. They never saw... Like, there was a security guard or a... Yeah gatekeeper, whatever, never saw anyone move into the building because they didn't. They were just laundering money. They were just laundering money through it. Um, And there have been stories about certain properties from a certain developer in New York bought up by LLCs based out of Russia without a lot of paperwork or clarity involved. I'm not going to point any names. I'm not going to point any fingers. And it's funny you mentioned Great Britain. Uh, There was a story in 2019 where this golden visa, this golden passport, was being available to a member of the Gaddafi family. and So... You know, it used to be, like we said, Chinese and Russians were the dominant users, you know, abusers of this golden passport program, this golden visa program. But as of 2022, more Americans than ever are applying for golden passports. And uh, approximately how much would you have to be worth or oh, laying down to get one of these? I, Just can't, curious. I can't even fathom. Well, you got to be rich enough to buy property in these countries, right? That's one of the things that was mentioned in this Golden Passport program. It's usually, from the research I did years ago, it was usually around half a million. Well, like at the time, well, they've revised it in the UK, but at the time, half a million in investment could get you into England. Right. And I, and I remember when I was going to Ireland on a pretty regular basis with this job. I was working for a different company, different station, but we got to go to Ireland like six straight years to celebrate St. Patrick's Day on, on one of the, uh, on Jameson Whiskey. I'll name them by name. Great group of people, fabulous Irish whiskey. And we looked into, you know, relocating. I fell in love with Ireland. And it's the kind of country where you have to have resources before they'll even consider granting you a visa. The one thing, though, Ireland is one of the countries, and Scotland is facing this problem, too, which is why Scotland's tie to the U.K. is somewhat tenuous and fraught with controversy, is because they're... Operably, they're a separate nation, and their demographics are aging so rapidly that this is not being replaced by natural-born Scots. Okay. So, in essence, Scotland has said, look, we're facing a poverty and population problem. We need more people. And the UK has said, well, we've got to tighten our immigration laws because of Brexit and all of the Right, right, right. They have no problem with young people. they don't want to give Scotland the autonomy to say, well, we can let in more people. Ireland is like that too, rapidly aging. A lot of people left to seek better economic opportunities. A lot of the young people would like, if you, if you're in that part of the world, you can go to New Zealand or Australia easily. You could go throughout Europe. Well, yeah, hopscotch around Europe's easy. Yeah. Pretty broad. Absolutely. So that's, Ireland is facing a, a, a crisis like that now. And you have to think at least from the sense of, Retirement, like if you could prove a certain level of retirement income and buy a place, right? They need people. They should have some immigration reform yeah. to allow a few more people in. And you know, and I, it's funny because immigration reform is at the heart of this whole conversation. Whether it's people coming into America or people trying to seek, 
you know, a better life elsewhere. Like I said, more Americans than ever applied for golden passports because they didn't like the way the country was headed, the direction, talks of a national divorce maybe. Who knows when your neighbor's going to think so differently of how you feel. But there's a certain irony to this given that mainly the people who can afford to do this are the people who cause the problems. And it's also a thing where it's like, hey, let's be, you know, we'll hear from some of these same people who also try to buy elections, by the way, to to, to avoid paying more of their money in taxes. We also hear from these people. We need to be patriotic. You know, if you don't like it, you know, if Bruce Springsteen doesn't like it, he can get out, blah, 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 blah. Bruce can afford to live in any once, by the way, he sold his catalog for half a billion dollars. But here's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Those are people with the option to leave, like yeah. Elon with his jetting off to Mars. Yeah. These are people <laughs> yeah. who want to leave us stuck while they get out of there if they don't like yeah. it. I think there should be some sort of a thing where it's like, no, if you benefited off the backs of this country, you got to stay and do a little something to make it better. Like if they want to exit, give them one hell of an exit tax. There's, there's always been talk of taking your assets overseas and having to pay a freight to do that. Yeah, absolutely, dude. If you made your money here, don't go. But that's, you know, that's the whole thing about having a city hostage. We talked about uh, Jeff Bezos earlier, uh, his interest in the Washington commanders. Businesses have the exact same leverage against the city, whether it's, a, you know, an Amazon or a Microsoft or whomever, whatever, Boeing, you know, to not give them the most attractive opportunities to have their business from a uh, cost of doing business and tax standpoint, you lose the business to other parts of the world, other parts of the Which the is why, and here, you know, I am putting my flame repellent suit on for this one. I don't even buy it. Just in, jump into the fire, in my a friend. Sen- Good Nielsen reference. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. I believe that this is an area where there should be some globalism. There should be a global pacts that agree to a certain base rate of taxation so that those types of things can happen. Because in the words of Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, nowhere to run to, baby, nowhere to hide. Yeah, That's what we need in taxation for multinational corporations. Well, I know, bud, but that's, you're talking about uh, democratic socialism at that point. And that gets, that's where we get kind of in a hairy Heck area. yes, I am. Yeah, I know. But you gotta, you Feel see, the burn. You, you're assuming that everyone has the same understanding and definition of that phrase – that you and I do, and that's not always the case, you know. And I've said numerous times I'd like to get a, a dictionary sponsorship for the Cairo Knights program, so that when folks text in and call us names, we can send them a dictionary so they can look up what the meaning of that word really is. It would certainly save me a lot of typing. It would. Just yeah, you, kidding. You labor away. <laughs> um, you know, we've all got different points of view, and that's cool. And we're supposed to all get together and vote. And when we elect people that, uh, and more people who think the way we feel win elections, that's how we go. And if People don't like that. They come up with better ideas and they run elections again. Well, the, we need more yeah. global global agreement on taxation. I, yeah. that's that's unavoidable. Well, you know, it's it when when the argument was to you know raise the standard of living around the world. When we became kind of a more outside of our shores kind of a nation, when you realize that the rising tide lifts all boats, and a better planet, a better working civilization globally, is eventually going to be better for all of us. There are some growing pains in that. When you have to seek uh, production offshore, provide the lowest prices here at home. Sure, those folks are making pennies on the dollar compared to us. But in that country, that pennies on the dollar was the best job opportunity they've had in their entire lives. It takes time to raise the global standard. And that's another thing, too. We hear this recent controversy. It's in the, before the Supreme Court right now about the obligation of social media companies to police content. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So here's a thing, a little secret I'll let you in on. Your Silicon Valley-based social media companies, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, okay. 
their moderation is for the most part outsourced to countries that are not native English speaking nations for one thing. Do they still have human human content management? To some extent, they do have "quote unquote" moderators. Some, not as many as they need, and also they outsource that to countries where they can pay, as you said, literally pennies for people to sit there and expose themselves to child abuse, the most extreme forms of pornography, gore, terrorist content, and that is what our companies do because the law allows them to do it. Underpay people to barely be able to do very important work agreed completely but remember every time you draw every time you deny somebody overseas of a of a poverty wage they the option is no wage in a lot of situations i'm not saying we shouldn't be responsible partners around the world i completely completely agree with that and and a lack of response somebody else texted into the show globalism is very dangerous because then we can all collapse together of course that's true that's why you have to be responsible partners with the countries with which you do trade and, right. and it's labor also exchanges. Why yeah. you can negotiate yeah. treaties and agreements, which prevents some of this corporate flight because there's not they're not going to be packing up every time they don't get their way. Which means if they have a stable business, they'll stabilize, they'll stay there, they'll still make plenty of money, and they'll quit screwing the taxpayers. Well, that just that just takes politicians locally with some stones. Huh. Who, who are, I'm just saying it's what it's going to take. <laughs> well, who, who won't? Who won't fold at the first threat of losing? You got to, you know, you got to have a strong negotiator. Got to have a strong hand yourself as a city. You got to have the quality of life like we have here in Seattle to offer a company and their employees. You know, when when somebody like Amazon locates here, or somebody like I don't know, um, Facebook relocates here, or Google relocates here, builds main facilities here in Seattle, they know that the quality of life they can offer their employees in Seattle is a benefit. And as a city, we have some leverage in that regard to not have to bend over backwards to get a company to come here because we've got skin in the game and value on the table as well. I mean, come, you know, like you said, the politicians have to have a modicum of strength. I mean, at least have as much as Hugh Grant had standing up to Billy Bob Thornton in Love Actually. That was a great pre- – we know – oh, that's funny. When we mentioned presidents in the, in the movies, we did mention Billy Bob Thornton, but it was – it was Hugh Grant's character as the Prime Minister of England that had the stones in that scene. It was awesome. Yeah, here, here, man. And Matt's right. Corporations who take advantage of populations and city infrastructure to make a vast amount of money have a responsibility to kick back to the community. Absolutely, man. If we don't have affordable housing in Seattle, the folks who are making all their money here in Seattle have a responsibility to make sure that problem gets addressed. It's not on you to solve. It's on you to help find a way through it together with local government and local taxpayers. Absolutely. I love it. And you should, you know, and we started this talking about golden passports and being able to buy your way into another country. We don't want folks doing it here in America. We want them to be responsible members of the community. And I'm not crazy about the idea that Americans that are leading the charge in golden passports around the world trying to get out of Dodge. But I will be candid to some hypocrisy on this. If I, win, if I win the lottery, Scotland, here I come. Oh. And if you've got some cash, yeah, they'll let you. Like I said, we thought about it. I, I love the idea of retiring on a hillside in Ireland, looking at the sea, bitching about how windy and cold it is nine months out of the year. I think, though, Heaven. I'm not real sure of the current level of this, but there was a program where you could have a residential visa in Ireland if you could prove that you had a certain level of income, which is yes. not crazy no, high. No, you're right. You just we had to make it. it outside the Irish border. Right. So and depending on your yeah. retirement income, if you invested well, you might could do it. You know, it's funny you mentioned that story because there's something I looked at today. You know what a digital nomad is? A digital nomad, Matt's shaking his head, yes, a digital nomad is someone who works digitally and can literally work anywhere in the world. 
right? We talk about quality living and cost living and where you can afford to live. We've had stories in the past about companies pay people in some parts of the country less for the same job because the cost of living is less in Boise than it is, say, in Seattle. And the same company pays the same employee in two different locations different rates based on what the cost of living where they live. How'd you like to be able to live like a king on a beach for 2000 bucks a month? I am too goth and too pale for the beach. Give me the hills of Scotland. There are, there are 10 cities that are the places for digital nomads to live like kings on next to nothing compared to what we have to pay. It's Cairo Nights. I'm spiking you along with Matt Butler. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. Lisa Brooks is going to sit with us for a few minutes. Matt, do you, uh, do you want to tell her or should I? The what? AI writing the news story. Uh-huh. Oh. Matt and I opened the show tonight. Matt was telling me about a uh, – you explain this better than I do. Yes. A company called Futuri is creating an AI DJ. Not only do they say the voice is good, but it draws content from social media to do the breaks between records or songs. Okay. Yeah. And another news, news, yeah. news, news, news. Yeah. You talk about, you know, the AI, we talk about chat GPT is yeah. writing books now over 200 titles yeah. on Amazon written by a computer. And you, I, I heard you say it and I heard the sound in your heart. Just, just don't write the news. Yeah. Wow. It's coming. It is coming. But they can't do what we do. They, seriously, they it's can't. It's easy to say. That. No, no, no. They can't do what we do. They can't talk about life like we can talk about life. That's no, where, I hope not. That's where we still have the edge. Until the day when it can analyze hours and hours of our podcasts. <laughs> then stop me. Okay, Skynet. Be, okay, okay. Fair enough. We're going to talk about nomads, uh, digital nomads. We talked about this a little bit before the break, Matt and I. And Lisa and I were talking about it during commercial break, and she had a similar story about folks who can live anywhere in the world and how far your money can go. In other countries, if you can do your job from anywhere, which we we can, we still can do Please that. Please tell my boss that. Yeah. We can. I come in every night. Well, yeah. well uh, it's like you do. Uh, because there's nothing like the environment that you have here yeah. in the newsroom at Cairo. They offered us the chance, they offered me the chance to build a studio at home. Really? And yeah, and do this from home. Nice. No. If I had to, if I had to look at the same stuff all day <laughs> and talk to the same people all day, you would be getting the same stories my wife's been getting for 32 years, and she's tired of it. <laughs> so I, I love the vibe here. I love the resources of the Cairo Newsroom and Bonneville Broadcasting and, the, and nice. the people that we work yes. with, the experiences and the perspectives that are so diverse out here. You can't get that from a room at home, and you can't get it from an AI computer. Mm-hmm. This is what we do is collective experience. But if you can do your job remotely – if you have, if you do data entry, if you do development, if you're a producer, if you're a voice track artist, you know you can do it anywhere in the world. And there are cities around the world that are beautiful places that are rated on safety, on environment, in on the, how strong the the internet is, all these different elements that they gauge what makes the city livable, the fun factor in town, the cost of living in that community. There's a list now of the ten cities around the world where you can for under two thousand bucks a month. Live on a beach nice. or live in a live on a hillside near a castle in a little town in Europe somewhere. Matt, I didn't see anything listed in Scotland. I'm really sorry. But we'll keep looking. Or Ireland. But you can live like we can't even imagine living in Seattle. On, I mean, let's face it. Not 2000, on 2000 bucks a month is, is far, far, far below the poverty level of this city. Right. It's one of the most expensive cities to live in in America. 
And being a nomad, a digital nomad, means you can work everywhere. It's not always the cheapest option. The list of the 10 best cities in America to work in, in nomad, uh, digital nomads in America, Atlanta's number one, Seattle's number eight. San Francisco's number 10. Hmm. So cost of living can't be the only factor they're weighing when it talks about American cities. The top 10 cities globally, I'll, start, I'll, I'll read this list. Lisbon, Portugal, for 2000 bucks a month. I have a friend who retired and moved there and is very happy there. My father-in-law got to travel before we lost him, and he traveled the globe. Uh, retired early from Boeing, management in Boeing for 40 years. Retired early to the Golden Handshake when they moved to Chicago, all that, remember that? So he traveled and said Portugal was the most beautiful place he'd ever seen of all the places. So for 2000 bucks a month, you can live in Lisbon, Portugal, and do your job digitally. I'm not trying to get you to move out. I'm not. If you live here, I'm glad you're here. You can listen to us on the internet if you, That's do, a move, good point. If you do move to Lisbon. Or I'm not sure how to pronounce this, Chiang Mai, Thailand. Okay. For 950 bucks a month. Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai, thank you, yep. thank you. And I, I have a friend who lives there. So uh, uh, do you married, mind what they do? What uh, they do? Well, he is a musician. Ah. And he actually is married to a woman who is from Chiang Mai. And uh-huh. so they have to, he has to live... Like 90 days here and then 90 days there okay. and 90 days here okay. and 90 days there. I don't understand the whole visa process. And it's different globally. Okay. It totally is. The last hour we talked, or the last half hour we talked about the golden passport and the golden visa where folks can invest in a country and move up the, and get a visa to a country, move up the chain of applications oh. for visas or get a passport. Okay. And that more Americans are doing it to go abroad. Used to be just mostly Chinese and Russian nationals who led that, the pursuit of golden passports. But now Americans have stepped up to leave the country. And we're talking about what it takes to be able to relocate. You have to have some nest egg, some provable assets so you don't become a strain on their socioeconomic support systems. That makes sense. If we want folks to come here and move here, we want them to be able to take care of themselves. Although I did start this whole thing by reeling about how we should be available to anybody. And the Statue of Liberty doesn't say, show me your bank statement. Your poor hardled masses start longing to live on a beach somewhere. Uh, Bali, Indonesia for 1200 bucks a month. Can you yeah. imagine? I mean, you dream about living in places like Bali. I know Bali. somebody's living there. No. You know, so you've got friends all over the place. You must be the best traveler of, of all. I, I'd be visiting everybody. I, I've been to a couple of those places. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And you can live uh, in Bali. <laughs> though this, this story does say Bali is overrun with digital nomads. Oh, but I mean, if all so you need, gorgeous. If all you need is a home studio and an internet connection or whatever software or an end hardware you need to do your job, yeah. you look through a window at the beach. Why not? You know what? You can't come to work today. There's a hurricane warning. You got to batten down the hatches. Cool. I'll take the personal day. Uh, Ho Chi Minh City. I know how to pronounce that. Vietnam, nine fifty a month. Cape Town, South Africa. Isn't that expensive there, though? According to this website, and the website is from, uh, oh, it's Inc.com, which is a business, a well-respected business website. Okay. Inc.com. They say that Ho Chi Minh City is affordable to live. Huh. Uh, or, I'm sorry, we, we moved on. The Cape, yeah, Cape Town is yeah. 1800 bucks a month. Well, Cape Town, surprising. South Africa. One, by arguably one of the most beautiful places on earth. Penguins on the beach. Really? Cape yeah. Town? I didn't know that. Yeah. I, thought, I, I didn't know. I knew penguins were like south-south of South America, and, right? Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. And, and Antarctica. I got in trouble yesterday. I, I said one of the remakes we're talking about, uh-huh. right, uh, out of out of Antarctica. And I mentioned polar bears <laughs> as the as the... The, the enemy, but the penguins. Yeah. Penguins are the enemy. Polar bears are the Arctic. Yeah. Uh, Budapest, Hungary. Now that one, see, that one kind of worries me. Oh, why? Now that would be a beautiful. I would, I would be interested in that beautiful, beautiful city. I've heard Budapest is one of the most beautiful places on the face of the yeah. earth. Um, Erdogan in Hungary, or is that Turkey? That's Turkey. Turkey. Okay, good. Never mind. Let's go to let's go to Budapest. Fourteen fifty a month, and live in this like centuries old. 
international jewel of a city nice. and work remotely. And, and you know, it, it helps if you can speak the language. Most, but most everyone can speak English. But it was, I would think if you're going to live abroad as a as a digital nomad, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you it behooves you to learn a little bit of a working knowledge of the language. Sure. I guess a plus to this too is if you have like this these places that are becoming quote unquote overrun with them, then you yeah. have a bit of an expat community where Absolutely it maybe makes it a little right. bit easier because you're meeting other people that speak your language and helps you integrate a little more. Well, like Lisa said, you've got friends in so many of these countries. I'm sure there are American expat communities. I think there are. I know. Uh, is San Miguel Allende in, in Mexico there? <laughs> You're the traveler, not me. Well, I like, there's a big expat <laughs> community there. San Miguel? Yeah, that a okay. lot of people have moved there. I've heard the same thing is true of Costa Rica and Belize. Oh, Belize is nice. I've, uh, you've been there? <laughs> I, love, I love having these approaches. Matt and I just look at you and go, <sighs> oh, Belize is gorgeous. And there's a yeah. huge expat community in Belize. Okay. okay. You know, in fact, I know my sister-in-law who's worked for the Forest Service her entire life. So she had a government job and they've made, you know, a, a fair amount, a fair income. Mm-hmm. The two, her and her husband both worked for the Forest Service, but they didn't, you know, work in the first 15 at Microsoft or anything like that. And they've honestly looked into relocating to Belize when their kids are up and grown and out of the house because oh. their, their modest nest egg that they've put together as a retirement plan, they'd live like... You can't imagine how yeah. great they could live. I know somebody's selling a house there, so if the kids are almost grown, okay, don't give it know. to the city. Give it to me first. <laughs> okay. um, the next, the, the last three of the top ten, and I got to say these, the one, they scare me, and it's my own prejudice. Mm. Uh, number seven is, by the way, Las Palmas in the the Grand Canary in Spain, Canary Islands. Oh, right, the Canary Islands for eighteen hundred bucks a month. That's paradise. Huh. If you can work without schlepping into the office, oh, why aren't you? How why aren't you in the Canary they? Islands? Eighteen hundred bucks. Oh. Okay. Right. But then it's Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And I've heard Rio de Janeiro is, can be very, very dangerous. Yeah. You know, and the next is Medellin, Colombia. Did oh. they clean that tent up? Because when I hear the word Medellin, the next word I think of is cartel. Right. You know, and as a chubby white pale gringo who burns easily in the sun, I imagine I would not feel very safe. And maybe that's my own prejudice. I can't imagine I feel safe in Medellin, Colombia, unless, you know, the 50, that's only a thousand bucks a month. You can live very well. I imagine most of that is for the wall between you and the community <laughs> I fear so much out of complete ignorance. I'll give you it's complete ignorance. But, you know, you can, if you're a nomad, if you can work from anywhere, you really can. Set yourself up for life. You know, I know that Amazon is requiring its employees to come back to the office now, and they're Three fighting that. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, a petition there's out There's a petition that. From, to say, yeah. we don't want to come back to work. Well, I'd make you leave the country then. If you're going to not work in Amazon, if you want to work from home, fine. You can still work from Amazon, but you've got to go to one of these. You've got to go to Medellin, Colombia. Okay. Amazon should build themselves an expat community in Medellin, Colombia. Anybody who doesn't want to work in the office three days a week because you're just too spoiled in your pajamas, you can do it from you your home in Medellin. Mean. You now, are mean. I maybe sometimes, or it's mostly rooted in jealousy. To be completely honest, can we with you. get them to do a little more in Seattle first before I, they go abroad? He's got this dream. Matt's got this dream that community business partners are responsible neighbors and help contribute to the city that we live in. It's a nice dream. It's a nice dream. And they I are know. contributing to they, they homelessness are. shelters They're and trying. other places. And yeah, they still make some guys pee in a Gatorade bottle. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I, I hear rumors. I hear stories. It's it's Kyra Knight. I'm Spike with Matt Butler. Thank you, Lisa Brooks. Thank you for sitting with us. We'll be right back after these. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. 
Uh, you know, it's a lot of people don't, but I love this Genesis. I really do, man. It's almost like Phil Collins. It almost sounds like a drum machine. You know, it, it was that 80s rock version of Genesis. The MTV videos were almost more important than the albums. And I mean, Phil Collins is a great drummer. If you listen to early Genesis, Phil Collins is some of the most amazing drumming of all time. And then you have this where he's the front guy. You know, I don't know when they tour Chester. I think Chester Thompson's their touring drummer, so Phil Collins could be out front of the Genesis tours. But I, I digress. Matt does it all the time. He grabs the wheel of the boat, and off we go to a better place. I appreciate you. Um, the textures tonight, very, very nicely input, uh, because Elena wrote that I've been in Medellin, and I survived. Friendly people, good food. I've also, I also like Cartagena. And I, and I, I made it. That was my own prejudice when I wrote about the nomad digital nomad ten top ten cities in the world where you can live for two k a month, live great for two thousand bucks a month or less. That's my own prejudice about Medellin and Cartagena. I just remember Medellin is that Vincent Chase movie that was such a flop. I don't. <laughs> you got cultural references aplenty, my friend. We should talk about doing a podcast too. By the way, about your music, we really should. Somebody else mentioned that too. You know, folks are uh, folks are finding the new mediums and taking their their talent, and their content, and their messages out to more people. That you don't have to be stuck in traditional media to do so. I miss the old days where you could stay up till three a.m. listening to a live host hang up on the callers. <laughs> but before they were let go, they were great people. The content of texters and Speaking phoners. Of yeah, which, yeah. brief word about that. Okay. To, uh, not too long ago, I think it was actually a couple of weeks ago now, and I failed to mention it, but one of my early influences in talk radio, a guy named Jay Marvin did the late nights on WLS in Chicago. He was a former country music DJ that got into talk radio, and that guy, the re- your resident bipolar manic depressive on the program that questions conventional wisdom and authority, Jay Marvin was a miraculously... He was combative and he was funny and he could be so warm and he would talk about WXRT and Chicago and U2 and the Velvet Underground. I just I just love Jay and it is just wanted to honor him as one of those talk show hosts that not a lot of people know but had a pretty good run. Is there still is there audio can you find of him anywhere yeah, on the there web? There's some on uh, YouTube of Jay Marvin. Yeah, the, Jay on Marvin there you in go. Chicago. Thank so, you. Yeah, worth that's, checking out. That's the stuff AI can't do. A, a texture point that AI stuff is scary as hell. You're right. It is, man. They're making movies. They're writing books. Most of the stuff you see in, in, in future fictions, dystopian world where computers and stuff take over, and we're really welcoming. We're welcoming them into our jobs, our education, our entertainment. It should, well, again, though it's just a tool. You can't blame a tool for being misused. Until that tool can get up off the tool bench and crack you in the back of the head, then we got a problem. Uh, someone said, Joe from Stomach, thank you. Good on you, Spike, for for uh, turning down the home studio. Synergy would just not be the same. I couldn't agree with you more. Being able to look through the window and see Matt and have Lisa pop in when I say something masculine and stupid. You know, I like having the Cairo newsroom vibe around here. I love having all the people that are in this building be a part of what we do for you every single day. Uh, and I mentioned, uh, you know, when we went global and how economies over in a third world countries or even second world countries, how we can get stuff made overseas cheaper. And that's one of the reasons we talk about digital nomads. You can live in, in Vietnam for a thousand bucks a month because folks there don't make a lot of money. It's a, it's the global economy and the texture said global, globalism, globalism, sorry, it's late and it's been a long week. Globalism is very dangerous because then we all collapse together. 
That's true. But the funny thing is, is that especially for future generations, the Internet is destroying, and you talk about these digital nomads, the concept of borders are becoming more porous as an idea and an ideal in the minds of future generations. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and mobility and experience. And people who, <laughs> I, I, I haven't gotten political all night, I'm being very careful. And folks who tell you that the dangers are outside your borders and don't let them in and don't be don't think about other countries as neighbors. That's not forward thinking at all, man. It's really not. It's protectionism. It's backwards thinking. We got to move forward. We got to move forward together. That's why it's important to be a good neighbor when you're an international business neighbor, a good partner. We talked about how the smartest guy in the room is not the highest paid, and the highest paid guy in the room is definitely often not the smartest. And the church said, amen. Amen. <laughs> many, many people saw glowing examples of that throughout their course of their careers and lives. Uh, someone said education does not equal smart. I couldn't agree with you more. You don't. I've met people that are high school educated and know more and are so innovative, creative. You know, the level, you can educate yourself up to a point of your life, Absolutely. It's no guarantee of smart. And, it, you know, rich is no guarantee of success. Hard work is no guarantee of riches. It is what we make of our lives, man. Like Matt said, you said earlier, you know, if the hardest working person in the room was paid the most, janitors and teachers would be the highest paid people we know. That's often not the case. I want to know about... Um, <laughs> You mentioned Afternoon Delight kind of in jest. You know, how often could you want to hear that? I, I could never hear it enough. Someone said, check out Arrested Development and Afternoon Delight. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I, I thought I knew Arrested Development pretty well, but I'm not sure the reference. I'll have to look it up when I get home. I'm such a dinosaur. I've got the entire Arrested Development series on DVD that I can pop into my ICS. still have a DVD player. Uh, other than that, folks, thank you. Oh, Yeah. We talked about young people, and uh, people are glued to their PlayStations, doing Call of Duty, enamored with video games, more so than young women. Wow. This is from Trevor. You're speaking truth, brother. Uh, Thank you for your part in the show tonight, everybody. Uh, I hope you guys had a good time with us tonight. I won't be here tomorrow night, Matt. I hope you'll take very good... Is it John? Yeah, Jonathan Weir will be joining us once again. I appreciate you having him. Take, take care of us Friday night. You take care of him. He'll take care of you guys. Matt will be here for you. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll be here tomorrow afternoon, but then I'm going to collapse physically just outside the door at 301. Have a great night. <laughs>